Welcome listeners to this week's Behind the Scenes of Latinx Lit Audio Mag. I'm your host, Teresa Douglas. And today, we're going to be talking with Angela Acosta. Angela is an emerging bilingual Mexican-American poet and scholar. She won the 2015 Rina P. Espailat Award from Westchester University, and her work has appeared in Panochacin, Pluma, Macro Microcosm, and Eye to the Telescope. She is currently completing her PhD in Iberian Studies at The Ohio State University and resides in Columbus, Ohio. Welcome, Angela. Hello, hola, I'm really glad to be here. I'm glad to have you. And I will tell you, we started this podcast not talking about your work, which is very important, but asking about another very important topic around food. And I would love to hear, since you are in my metaphorical house, we're sitting at my metaphorical table, and I would, of course, love to offer you something to eat that you enjoy, and I would love to know what is your favorite comfort food? That's a great question. I don't think I would ask this of you if I were actually at your house, but I do enjoy <laughs> a nice warm bowl of udon noodle soup. Um, I Being in the cold weather for so many years, it's, it's a nice treat. I, I love that. We I had another guest who was who loved ramen soup and it's just these noodle dishes. They're so comforting. Yeah. I, I don't understand why. It's it's just such a wonderful yes, we would we would definitely eat udon because I, I keep that in my, my pantry. So we'd be sitting oh, there. You'd probably help me cook it. It would be all very cozy. So so thank you for sharing that. Food is such a, a nice way to, to get to know people. For sure. And, well, I, I just, I loved this poem. I, before, before we dive into it, though, and talk about Identity Height Chart, which listeners, I, I know you enjoyed this as much as me. And if you didn't, it's because you haven't listened to it. So please pause and, and go listen to that right now, because the rest of this is going to make a lot more sense if you've, if you've done that. But I've, I love this. I love the way this poem sort of grows. And, and we're talking about a height chart. And there's so much that, that, that's in this piece. And I, I just can't, cannot wait to talk about it. But before we do, I, I would like to talk about you a bit and find out how long you've been writing. Yeah, I have been writing poetry, um, at least actively considering myself a poet since I was around 14 or 15. But I know I've done a little bit of poetry writing before. Um, I wrote a lot in high school at that time and found it like a really important way of, of expressing myself and mm -hmm. figuring out certain, you know, language use, right, um, and identity. And I didn't write too much uh, during the later years of college and early years of graduate school. And I've really only gotten back to writing poetry um, earnestly in the past year. Mm -hmm. It's 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 amazing. I, I can it just feels like this is in your bones when I when I read this. And and I loved all of the the things you packed in here. And I'm getting ahead of myself again. Because I gosh, I saw this poem and I thought, oh, that's just such a nice thing. But before we talk about that, let's let's talk a little bit more about you. Is it sounds like then poetry is is one of your first love. Is is it your only writing love, or do you have other mediums, other things that you like to to write in? Yeah, I think poetry is my favorite in the sense that it's something that I can just kind of pick up and do and don't feel like I'm fussing over it too much mm -hmm. or that I'm really working with the writing that I'm able to just 
take an idea that I have and turn it into a poem relatively quickly. Most of the other writing, writing I'm doing now is academic writing. So I'm working on my dissertation. I'm writing academic articles, presenting things to the public. Um, but in terms of creative writing, I've also done a little bit of flash fiction and then creative mm. nonfiction related to my research. So flash fiction does feel like it's almost at that crossroads of a fiction and poetry or prose and poetry, right. I should say, because mm-hmm, it's flash. Mm-hmm. Just very lyrical, a lot of a lot of image, a lot of things that that, that cross over. And, and I have to say, my husband finished his PhD just about six months ago, and those papers are are a whole nether level of writing. That's that's kind of crazy, crazy writing stuff to me. To, to see the density that, that comes in there. So yes, I can see how this is quite different <laughs> from from that. So so can we can we just walk through your process here of of identity height chart? Did you come up with the idea first? Was there a central image? Walk walk me through that process. Yeah, that's a that's a really great question because it's something you can think about with every poem. But for this one in particular, it actually is very different than how I usually write because what I did was I had found some old poems that I'd sort of started and kind of meandered a little bit um, from early years of college when I was writing a lot and involved a little bit in a spoken word poetry group on campus. Um, so I had some ideas kind of in the in the air already from a few years ago. Uh, but since that time, you know, my, you know, sense of self has changed. I've matured over the years and the way that I write has, has changed as well. So I kind of took those bare bones ideas and turned them into the stanzas. And mm-hmm. the identity height chart as like the main metaphor of the piece kind of came to me because in the um, house that my parents are now living, there was a height chart that somebody left. And I thought it was quite funny because um, the children were a lot taller than I am. I'm not, I'm five <laughs> feet with shoes on. I like to say um, so that the children were a lot taller than me. And, and I think that image popped in my mind um, in thinking about growth um, and how we see ourselves and physically, you know, not growing too tall, but thinking about how I'm growing in other ways. Yeah. And that, that to me, it is the central image and it's a fabulous one for thinking about at the end, being a proud Latina woman and whatever, whatever physical height we, we may or might not mm-hmm. have, just reaching that point when when you feel settled in your sense of self, because it feels like in so many places, as you say in your poem here, where where she just wants to be herself and everyone has names for things that she's not. And she, you know, doesn't, ugh, it says no longer stating percentages like a Venn diagram when they just want to hear her say the word Mexican. So this idea that all the way through that there are these forces that are trying to let us have less space. So take up less space, justify your existence. One of the things I, I, I thought about in that first stanza where you say facing an examination, not of numbers, but of their teachers' questions, and and this question of why do we have to justify the place that we are, the space that we take up, and that ambivalence that we see in in so many places. If if you're not 
completely white looking, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes, like the stereotypical, and you're not stereotypically dark skinned or identify as black, then you're in this place where it seems like everybody wants you to to justify the fact that you're uh, a member of the BIPOC community or justify what you write down. And I thought that that was so well done to, to talk about that and put it in this idea of, of having to scatter yourself almost and again, take up less space. So that was, that was so, so well done in this. Thank you. Yeah. I will say that, um, when you, when you said the idea of the forces that shape us, I think that's really poignant in thinking about childhood and how these, you know, certain anecdotes came about in my own thinking of the poem, because a lot of times as a child, you don't always know how to best identify yourself. And mm-hmm. I remember when I was little, I always made sure to like memorize all the countries that my ancestors came from when like, as if anyone would ask me that, but when in reality, they just kind of want to size you up and, and see what's different about you. And then mm-hmm. the tension when you might not say the word that they're thinking or what they're expecting. And it is, it's, it's a crazy thing where it's, you think, okay, how, how much of an answer are you really looking for here? And mm-hmm. the idea that in so many places, the, the uh, people who are Mexican also have, of course, other things. We, we have I, I, indigenous ancestors. We have ancestors from all, all over. And this idea that even some of those, those indigenous peoples, we may not know the names of those folks because of colonialism. And mm-hmm. the idea that you are in some ways could feel less than because you don't have names for what you are. You you only have names for what you aren't. And that is such a powerful thing to talk about. And again, in this idea of, of trying to take up the space that is yours, that, that comes to you from from your your people, from your own living in, in the world. And and I love that again, at the end, she's reached the top of the height chart a proud Latina woman. And that, that is such a mic drop moment right there. I, I almost just put my fist in the air. I was like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because it's what we want, right? We, we want to be able to grow into ourselves mm-hmm. and do it on our own terms. Exactly. And, and not have that moment where someone says, here's the height that you should reach. And that's, that's where you need to be. Well, you know, I, I gush about this a lot, but I, one of the things I wanted to ask you too is that often we don't get to tell people what impression that we want our piece to have, what impression we want them to be left with. And it's fine that people bring their own their own history and their own ideas as they're reading this and come to their own conclu- con- come to their own conclusions. But this is your moment right now. If if you could talk to listeners and tell them how you want them to think about this piece and impression that you want them to leave with, what would that be? Yeah. You know, I don't think there was anything in particular as I was writing that I really wanted to like have as a central message in terms of what people think or process with this piece. But Mm -hmm. I think what I was looking for was that question of labels and how they really shaped my own upbringing, understanding of my identity, especially during those college years and when at a time when you're in a very diverse environment, oftentimes, even if you're at a predominantly white institution, 
and you get a lot of questions asked about your your background or when you meet new people. And these these labels really shape us over time, whether or not we really believe in them. And I think what's been helpful for me is just to kind of understand myself, like I said, on in my own terms and, and see where I fit and really feeling like I can take charge of that. Um, so I think that the idea of growth and in, in growing into one's identity, which isn't always growing into a particular mm-hmm. label or cultural identity, but just like feeling like you, you are yourself without all of this outside intervention was what I was going for. And it, it's so wonderful because there are so many places that, that, that make people feel in some ways not enough. And this poem re-empowers the reader to say, you are, you are enough, whatever you are. And as you say, whatever you space you inhabit, whatever names you may put on that, that that's for you to put mm-hmm. those names on and not a label that you need to fit in like a piece of clothing that just isn't quite right. So thank you for that. It, it was a, it was a shot of, of good feeling when I, when I saw that through, through my inbox. I, I know that there will be other people who want to read the things that you write. And do you have social media handles or a website or anywhere where someone could read your pieces as they come out? Yeah, I do. I do use Instagram. Um, I'm at A.A. Periquito, uh, P-E-R-I-Q-U-I-T-O. Um, but I don't have an author website yet just because I'm I'm focused on my academic work and just have the academic website, which I may have sent you. Um, but my work is out and floating around the internet and other uh, creative publications um, in a variety of forms. So I've published in the, the journals you mentioned in my bio, and a lot of those are available online. Well, wonderful. And could you um, spell again the Instagram handle? Because I am terrible about hearing when that thing, when, when people spell it out the first time. <laughs> yeah. It's um, and it's all lowercase. It's A A P E R I Q U I T O. Wonderful. So, listeners, if you didn't catch that or you share my my inability to listen very well, <laughs> I will have that in the show notes. So you could just go ahead and click over, grab that, and and follow what Angela's doing. Well, thank you so much for for coming to the podcast and sharing your work. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure to to be in this space with you and to share my words.